Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And Brett, Arizona is still in the Pac-12. <laughs> when we last potted, there were all the rumors out there. You know, UCLA and USC were headed to the Big Ten. There was talk about Arizona to the Big 12. And that talk's still there. But as it stands right now, we're recording on July 28th, the eve of Pac-12 Football Media Day. Arizona is still a member of the Pac-12. <laughs> For now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still, like, I yeah, mean, it, and, it could change, right? There's there's, there's plenty of rumors abound, and I think, I can't remember, to paraphrase, there was a John Wilner, Wilner tweet where he's like, whoever is saying they know the most about what is actually happening, it's less than half of half of what that person thinks <laughs> is actually happening is, you know, I, I, I'm butchering what he tweeted out, but basically, like, nobody really knows anything and the, the networks are driving this. I think there's a lot of permutations uh, of, of what it's going to be and what it's going to mean for Arizona. There's interesting wrinkles there of, you know, is Bobby Robbins trying to not have to be tied to ASU, which is an interesting Yeah, notion. I wonder how that could go with Arizona border regions. That doesn't seem like it would fly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, ASU... Uh, ASU to the big sky with NAU. I mean, the funny thing is, uh, no, ASU goes independent and think that they have the same draw as Notre Dame. <laughs> um, but I mean, Michael Crow is like the, the, you know, Larry Scott's Pac-12, as brought to you by Michael Crow, uh, his biggest proponent and defender for the last decade True. plus, and that went well. Um, and so, like, th- there's a nuance there. I don't think it's in either team's benefit or either school's benefit to separate. Um, you know, wherever one lands, the other probably should land. It is probably the most value um, in terms of uh, eyeballs and passion, <laughs> right? Especially for the media market. Um, I I kind of wonder if some of that is just Michael Crow and ASU fans thinking they're more valuable and important than they are. Well, there's posturing, right? If you're ASU, and this isn't an ASU podcast, but if you're ASU, you think you think highly of yourself, right? Because you're in a huge market, huge student base. Your athletics teams are, eh, some of them are decent, some of them less so. But you see all this talk about UCLA and USC. You're like, well, we're not 
that far behind those teams. Like we could be like them too. Like what's look at us. Right. So it's like, you don't want to admit that maybe you're closer to middle or the bottom of the middle of the conference than you are to the top. And you know, where Arizona fits into this, we talked about it last time. Like, I don't know where Arizona fits into this because on the one hand, you got a basketball programs, men and women's that are just elite. You have baseball, which is elite. Softball is elite. I mean, not elite for baseball, but upper echelon programs. And then you have football, which, of course, we know is the big money maker in college athletics. And for all the optimism about where Arizona is heading, they're not there yet. So when you're looking at Arizona, if you're like, I'm still on Team Big 12. Like, I would love for the Pac-12 to somehow survive and get better officiating and broadcasts and all that stuff. But it's just hard to see that being a long-term thing, especially if Oregon and Washington are still kind of eyeing their own exit, right? Like, if, if they're holding all the cards in this, unless there's some huge deal that makes them have to stay, then they're going to be gone the first chance they get, whether it's the Big Ten decides to expand even more, whether it's the SEC or wherever. And if they're gone, then what does the Pac-12 have left? And I'd rather Arizona be proactive and leave first and not be kind of left there with you know empty-handed they yeah. have to react to more schools abandoning the Pac-12. And that's the room that I liked was the Big 12. And I've seen the stuff out there that the Big 12 is not in better shape than the Pac-12. And I get that. I understand that the Big 12 isn't the Big 10. It's not the SEC. But it looks like the Big 12 is not two more. T- if, you, if Arizona and ASU go to the Big 12, that's a much stronger situation than Arizona and ASU staying in the Pac-12. That say, adds San Diego State and some other school, I think. But, of course, yeah. I don't know all the financials. I don't know what kind of backroom dealing there is in terms of percentages of revenues and all that. I don't know that. But just from a purely, from my perspective, from this you know thousand-foot view, I'm like, you know what? The Big 12 doesn't seem like a bad landing spot for a school or for schools, we'll say the Arizona schools, that may need a new home because the Pac-12 is disintegrating. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things to unpack even in what you just said. I 100% agree if you're Arizona, you look out for Arizona, <laughs> even if you that does to. mean, even if that does mean you need to be willing to ditch ASU if it's what's best for your school. Like, and I, I think there is a definite, there's, it's better to be a first mover than the last mover in this scenario. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's other complications that are interesting or twists. Like I'm still not, I still don't, maybe this is me being ignorant, but like, I'm not sure why, the Big 12 is more apt and a better value, better value add to poach Pac-12 schools than the other way around. Well, wasn't that the, rumor a couple of years ago that, or even last year, where the Pac-12 was thinking of poaching Big 12 schools when, yeah, like the Big 12 lost some schools to the SEC? I mean, it would. I think that was like Houston. I think was maybe on that list, and maybe TCU or SMU to try to get those media markets. And like, if you're the Pac-10 as it currently is constituted. You know, San Diego State is an obvious potential ad. Yeah, that's not a bad addition. Uh, I mean, it gets you into Southern California, a decent media market. They're brand new football stadium. They're kind of the ASU of Southern California, the commuter school that has decent athletics. And it's, you know, it's it's a school. Arizona's had some huge basketball games with them. And of course, football games, they had a game that happened last season. And there's a game that's going to happen this next season. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure San Diego State was the co-Pac-12 champion last year with BYU. Like, they would be a natural fit for the conference if that, if not, like, a natural top-third football program in the conference the second they join. So, but, like, I guess my question is why is, and maybe this is something that's happening, like, a more logical outcome if you're trying to keep the, you know, Washington, Oregon, and the North, Northern California schools, along with the Arizona schools and all the four corner schools, why not add San Diego State, uh, SMU to get 
Dallas, Houston to get the Houston market. Or are they all, um, are they all leaving for the Pac-12? Like, is that's, SMU that's what I'm, is, that's you what know? I'm suggesting. Yeah, like, why is that not a more viable option? And maybe it is. It's like, who has um, the leverage, right? Is it for the Pac-12 to poach from others, or is it from the others to poach from the Pac-12? I, for one, welcome our new ESPN overlords to sort this all out. <laughs> well, it's all going to end up with Arizona playing 9 o'clock games anyway. So, like, that's not yeah. going to change. That's one of the one of the things I didn't think about that I've seen in the reports and the stories about this is that the Pac-12 has that advantage because that's a time slot that none of the other conferences can fill. That late night, like 7 o'clock our time, 8 o'clock our time, that time slot, East Coast, like, SEC can't fill that time, so that's way too late. Big Ten's not really going to fill that time slot. It has to be the western part of the U.S., and I guess there is value in that, right? If you're ESPN, you can have a live football game all day. Like, that's something, and that's something that the Pac-12 has to offer that these other conferences don't. Then again, if Arizona's in the Big Ten, or the Big 12, rather, they're still in the western time zone. They can still play that time of kickoff, so that's why the Big 12 would want that time zone, too. That's why they would want those schools. So I I don't know, man. Like, I... (laughs) I just my fear is like say they they bring in San Diego State and I don't know SMU or to someone right you know to make it a twelve again that doesn't seem bad but what assurances do you have that Oregon's going to stay that Washington's going to stay because they seem to be the two headliners at that point I mean USC is gone you know UCLA is gone so if they're in the position of power what kind of deal are they getting in the conference like are they getting just this huge, I don't want to say bribe, that's not the right word, but some huge concessions to say we were going to sign on the dotted line and be here for another 15 years, 20 years, or 10 years, whatever it is. Because if it's that, then all of a sudden Arizona's at another disadvantage because they're not getting the same revenue. Like, you want to be wanted. You want to be the program, the university that these conferences want to bring in. And I I don't know if Arizona is that to the Pac-12. Like, Pac-12 needs Arizona. Pac-12 needs Arizona State. But does the Big 12 want them more? And are they willing to say, hey, we'll give you this portion of the pie, of the conference pie, that's maybe greater than what you're getting from the Pac-12? That's the case, and you have to go, right? For competitive nature, you have to go. Yeah, I, it's it's funny. I feel like it's a, a one big soap opera love triangle of all the schools where they think, you know, Washington and Oregon think that the Big 10 is going to add them, but the Big Ten's not going to do, do anything until Notre Dame decides the Pac-12 wants to keep those guys, but everyone else is saying, well, I'm not going to stick around if uh, the Pac-12 is going to disintegrate. And also if Washington and Oregon or whoever say, I demand an unequal larger share of the Pac-10, 12, whatever, 16 right. pie. Um, and I don't think <laughs> the you know Oregon fans conflate athletic department budget with value as a TV contract, which is not accurate, right? Um I mean, if if everybody was smart and it didn't mean like, you know, a lot of people would bluntly lose their jobs in the conferences, the Big 12 and Pac-10 should just merge and add a school or two like San Diego State. But then, you know, one of the commissioners is out of a job and half of the staff is out of a job and negotiate a contract together. And it probably benefits everybody. And you get the time zone coverages and the markets, right? But that's just not going to happen probably due to ego and complications of just making something like that happen. Yeah. But which is where, you know, I think somebody asked me the other day of like, where is Arizona leaving the pack 12? And I just said, and like the likelihood of it. And I said, on what timeline, right? Like, are they <laughs> like eventually maybe? Uh, yeah. But like, you know, I think, I've reached the point where I actually kind of think the most likely thing is there's not going to be a full decision for the better part of a year. Uh, 
but that you know that doesn't mean that they're not leaving as soon as, at any given announcing that at any given time. Well, it, it but, seems like we're in the era of that being a possibility for everyone, right? Yeah, like, it's it's uncertain and nobody can figure it out because it's let's wait to see what Fox Sports and ESPN are going to throw. Pretty much. Money. Pretty much because, yeah, I, I don't remember. I mean, I guess programs have moved conferences. That's how conferences get made. And obviously the Pac-12 took Colorado and Utah and added them, what, 10 years ago or thereabouts. So, like, it, it does happen. But it's just it seems like now it could be happening more often. I guess, I mean, players can move around, coaches moving around. Why not programs, right? Why not universities? That's just the way college is. And obviously it's not that simple when you know moving to a different conference. But that seems to be the era we're in. So, Unless Arizona signs on a dotted line and they're saying this is the conference for the next 10 years, 15 years, then yeah, it seems like there's every opportunity to move to another conference if it's the best thing for the program, if it's the best thing for the university. And I guess, I mean, I, I'm i not anxious to leave the Pac-12 or whatever the Pac is, but at the same time, if there's a better opportunity elsewhere, then I want Arizona to take it. And yeah, totally. that could be the case now. For now, for the right now, Brett, though, Arizona still is in the Pac-12. Of course, by the time you listen to this podcast, that could change. I don't imagine they're going to be leaving the conference this year, right? Even UCLA and USC having a couple of seasons. But the Pac-12 preseason football media poll came out, and Arizona is picked to finish 11th. So suck on that, Colorado. We're not last. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but Arizona's one spot ahead of Colorado and one spot behind ASU. So <laughs> maybe these like the four corner states here for the Big 12 aren't as appealing as you think. I mean, Grant, Utah's picked first, but then the rest of them are at the bottom of the conference predictions. Oh, good times. Yeah. Uh, to, to close the loop on the conference, you know, value, uh, it's a bad time to be ASU with your football program trending downward yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. in terms of future looking value. But, you know, I guess if you're looking for signs of progress, Arizona's picks to finish not last, which is, in fact, progress. Um, I, you know, if you look at this, there's some interesting things like Oregon State's up at five. Stanford's at eight, Cal's at nine ahead of ASU. Like, I think ASU is going to underperform their talent level because I think there's just going to be... I think 10 is too low for ASU unless they just get, just everything just falls apart. I don't know. I mean, they got their quarterback from Florida. He doesn't seem horrible. They lost a lot, but I don't think their defense still has some players. Yeah. Right? Well, they, they still have some players. They don't have the, the depth because they basically haven't Drink. had... Two, yeah, there it is. Um, they haven't they basically had a meaningless recruiting class for two years, which doesn't show up probably but for another year or doesn't two. Doesn't this show, though, like, you look at this, like you mentioned, like, Utah number one, Oregon two, USC three, UCLA four. I don't hate that. You know, based on what each program has, what they're bringing back, who they are, I can live with that as the top four preseason. But from there, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Stanford, Cal, ASU, Arizona, Colorado, you can mix and match that for all sorts of reasons. Like, like I'm bullish on Arizona being not terrible this season. Does that mean they're going to win five or six games? No, I guess they could be not terrible and win three. But like, no. like, are they going to be better than ASU? I don't know. Are they going to be better than Cal? I don't know. Stanford? I don't know. Washington State, who got their quarterback transferred in Ward, but lost Delora, right? Like, There's so many programs this season going in. Maybe it's the case most seasons, just Arizona's finally a part of that. But you just don't know. There's been so much change in the conference, even with, you know, with USC, there's been a lot of change there. Like you just don't know with what these programs lost, what they brought in. So I get Arizona being ranked 11th. Like, okay, you won a game last season. We're not picking you last. So prove more, right? They're still in prove it mode and ASU's in the, well, everything just looks terrible. So they can't be that good. Well, you know, next year, this would make a lot more sense if they lose even more talent and don't bring it in. But this is still not the least talented team in the conference. Colorado, I mean, Jesus. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I, the one I feel confident that the media got it right is I do think Colorado is the clear worst team in the conference. Arizona, um, does Arizona get them this season? Uh, well, I, I know Arizona South, was on the road last season and had them. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, yeah, they're, they're still, still school, scheduled yeah. as the South School. Yeah, they right? still kept even it that though, way, yeah. Even though we're not observing the the uh, in the rankings, yeah. we're, we're not observing the divisions, I think it still schedules that First way. Colorado, uh, October 1st. And I, it should be in Tucson, right? It is in Tucson, um, yes. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I that should alone be the reason for at least Arizona at 11 over Can we Colorado Can we predict? I mean, we're going to do our Arizona, like our... our uh, camp preview episode next week we're gonna give all our position breakdowns but can we look at Arizona and say that's a game they'll win based on what happened last season like can we feel better that there is a a guaranteed win on the schedule and it's a Pac-12 school I mean can we or should we those are two different questions Adam indeed they are (laughs) (laughs) um yeah you know so I that's the one I feel confident I think ASU is getting a little bit um as much as we like to rag on them I I think baked into that is some of the narrative, but I also think that to some extent that 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 kind of distraction and if things just keep happening and a notice of allegations happens and Herm Edwards gets fired and there's just, uh, you know, Arizona fans are familiar with what the appending looming decision can mean as a distraction for an otherwise talented team. Yeah. Um, So and I think that can show up on the field. Uh, I'm skeptical of Cal being particularly good. I, you know, Stanford had lost a lot. So I, I think they're kind of an unknown. They had a lot yeah. of guys transfer out. I think Washington state being at seven kind of surprises me because I, I feel like everybody's putting a lot of faith in uh, what's the quarterback transfer they got from the small school. Yeah, Cameron, Cameron Ward. Ward. Yeah. You know, like put up huge numbers on, was it? Yeah. It, but like that was, I forget what school, small school he was at and running like not a traditional passing offense. So it's like, it's, it's entirely based on projection. It seems aggressive. Wait, wait, are you are you uh, saying the preseason media poll is entirely based on projection? That is weird. <laughs> it's not just that. It's entirely based on narrative because it's media. Oh yeah, of course. But that's like, like um, let's, let's put it back to Arizona though, just for for a brief moment. Like, does eleven offend you in any way? Because like it doesn't me. Because you could say all these things, right? We're projecting for Cameron Ward to be good. We're projecting Stanford to be Stanford. Oregon State was solid last season projecting that. Arizona has so many changes. I mean, them and ASU too, but so much has changed in Arizona seemingly for the better, but it's all projection, right? Yeah. Like, until you see Jaden Delora in this offense, until you see T-Mac and Jake McCowing, who was nominated for the Blitnikoff, right? Keon Bars at, coming back again. There's a defense with Johnny Nansen as a defensive coordinator. There's so much change at Arizona, and they weren't very good last season. So 11 almost seems like, all right, thanks. That's respect. Or is it is it more a slight to Colorado than a boost for Arizona? I think it's more of a slight to Colorado. <laughs> um, to answer your question, I don't think Arizona fans can reasonably be offended at that. Um, and as an Arizona fan, Arizona schools typically, or teams typically, or the schools in general, including ASU, tend to not handle expectations well um, and live up to expectations. I'd rather have no hype and, and use it as motivation to prove people wrong. Uh, but you know, speaking of all of this is based on projection and especially the media poll. I mean, you know, friend of the pod, Michael Lev knows this and he votes in this. But how many other schools are really paying attention to the just raw magnitude of talent upgrade and yeah. that this raw and the turnover? Like how many people really know the percentage of the roster that is turned over? Granted, that, te- you know, this team has won one game in the last two and a half calendar years. Right. 
Um, so you can't be offended at it. But also, I think Arizona has, on the surface, you know, massively, granted, starting from a, a small base, there was not much talent on there, but I think rateably improved their roster top to bottom mm-hmm. more and faster than maybe any school in Power 5 history in one year with the turnover that they've had. But you're also still relying an awful lot on on a lot of true freshmen, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, we'll see. Of course, in a couple of seasons, there might not be an 11th place to be projected to finish in. So, you know, Arizona might crack the top 10 in a couple of seasons in the Pac-12 media poll. So that would be good. Right. <laughs> Progress, Adam. <laughs> top 10. They'll just win by attrition. Eventually, they'll be the only school left. They'll be like, we won the Pac-12 or the Pac-1. Or the Pac two, they could beat ASU. I was going to say, are you calling it? We're going independent. We won the conference. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this is what you know the media day stuff is all about. Of course, Arizona sending Jacob Cowling and Christian Young along with Jed Fish to talk to the media. That should be interesting because I don't think there's not a lot of pressure on them, right? Like there's probably not. There's not like what ASU's going to the questions they're going to have to answer. And for if you're Utah, Oregon, USC, UCLA, some of these other programs, they're going to have a lot more scrutiny. For Arizona, you're just kind of there. And that probably works well. That works in their favor, I would think, right? Like there's not, you're the new coach or and you haven't won a game, this, that, and the other. It's, all right, how you guys doing? Is there anything like you'd want to ask Anna specifically, Brett, before we take a quick break here? Uh, in terms of uh, what I want to hear out of the Yeah, of what the are you hoping day? to hear from the, from the trio the, that's headed to media day? I mean, I'm kind of curious to, to hear uh, how much the players themselves project any confidence i think jed fish is going to probably try to you know say we're going in the right direction but i think he's going to try to undersell um you know a few years ago rich rod and todd graham had very opposite approaches todd Graham would always say his team was like the greatest elite dominant thinking team ever and rich rod even if they just won a game be like i'm just hoping we get a get a first down because we're so terrible at everything and it's completely different motivating factors i'm really curious to see how jacob cowing um addresses like the media is it's interesting that a transfer is representing the team usually goes to like a senior so it tells you what they think of him um and i'm curious to know if there's any we'll see if there's any updates of uh of like medical stuff or major injuries because i think there's some key guys for arizona like jamari joiner there it could be an opportunity for some like news that we don't um know quite yet uh that i think materially impacts what the outlook is potentially depending on who the players are um but you know i don't you know nobody uh, should lose media day so you know <laughs> didn't rolovich lose it last season like when <laughs> well, he wasn't there <laughs> yeah, you know what touche adam you proved me wrong <laughs> yeah the one thing i'd want to hear and i don't think you'd get it from jed fish but i'm curious how much he's changed the playbook in terms of the install because last season they went into it obviously with Everyone was learning his offense, and it seemed like it took a little bit of time to pick up on it and to really understand it because eventually start being able to move the ball. And with a quarterback in Delora who's run a different offense, but has a lot of there's a lot of pressure on him, right? There's a lot of skill position talent we think, and like I said, we'll we'll go over our position breakdown next week. But I'm curious if Jed Fish has adapted, adjusted his way of doing things heading into year two. Right? Obviously, most more players understand because they're holdovers from last season. He's not installing a whole new offense for everybody. But in terms of, you know, for quarterbacks especially, it's, you know, two of the top three quarterbacks are new quarterbacks this season. They were there for spring ball, which is good. But I'm just that's something I'd be curious about 
because, yeah, there's not high expectations. Arizona's picked to finish 11th for a reason, but I don't think Arizona can have another one-win season. Like, that would not that would not go well. So they need to get off to a little bit better start. Better start than last season, right? They need to get off to a pretty decent start. It'd be nice. And part of that is being ready to go and being comfortable with the offense in week one. So I'd be curious to hear that answer. Whether you get the answer from him or not, I don't know. He's not going to tell people what he did with his playbook. But that's something I'm interested to see. Yeah, I, th- I think you're more likely to hear that in the answers of Christian Young and Jacob Cowing and their confidence. Uh, you know, so I'm sure they're going to get asked those kind of questions and how they feel about it because uh, they'll probably give a more unfiltered answer. Yeah. Granted, it'll probably be almost always a more rosy answer than the coach will give. Um, but by the way, also, before we close out the football thing, have you been watching the the, the posts of the, the workout videos for the players in the last week or two? Yeah, I think I pulled a muscle doing one of them. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, like, oversell what like you know what amounts to a weightlifting highlight video but there's some serious weight getting moved around that i don't recall any arizona players looking that strong in a long time yeah. i remember seeing a lot of guys that were like at the draft combine and getting benching 225 like seven times <laughs> um but there's somebody there's some guys that were benching like 425 or something like that that's it it augurs well for uh T, coach to and this and the strength program I'm curious to see once camp opens up uh, to see like like the you know the the, the snapshots of players and see how they're looking physically because I think this is going to be a very different roster yeah in terms of physical size both height length and sheer strength well that's one thing I think we can kind of give a little bit of credit to Kevin Sumlin for too even his couple of seasons three seasons or I guess two and a half the COVID season but you know brought in more players who look like they belong in the Pac-12. Like Rich Rodriguez had that smaller style, smaller receivers, smaller linemen, smaller defensive players. And you'd you'd look at them line up against other schools. Didn't you even say it last year, Brett, even kind of watching them against Interstate? Like, wait, what? You know? Like, oh, yeah. And, and that's not to say Kevin someone brought in, like, talent to get, but, like, he tried to upgrade the size, you know, and just get Arizona to be a bigger program. And obviously, Jed Fish kind of picked that up, hopefully bringing in even more talented players by the recruiting rankings. It seems like he has been. But making Arizona look like a Pac-12 school. You know, where they don't just show up on the field, you're like, wow, I hope those other guys are slow because our guys are tiny. <laughs> you know? So that that's one thing that I think, you know, I like I like to see that. I mean, just because they're big doesn't mean they're good, but you feel right. better about it at least, about their chances to, you know, hold their own and withstand whatever it is that they're going to have to face on that Saturday, right? Yeah, I do I do believe I texted you pre, pre-game of San Diego State. Our guys look dot, 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 small. Yeah. <laughs> And they had gotten bigger from over the previous couple of seasons, <laughs> like, so there was still a lot of work to do there. But it's I'm I'm really curious to see that. I don't know if you'll see that in Jacob Kelling and Christian Young. You know, guys that are more playing on the perimeter. So I kind of hope not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jacob Cowing's a, like a slot receiver, and Christian Young's moving back to more of a traditional safety, strong safety role. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm. It's the, the main thing that we should be celebrating, Adam, is. Uh, Football season is around the corner, but we have also have to say goodbye to yet another wonderful Jed Fish offseason. <sighs> another winner. <laughs> another another victory for Jed Fish in the offseason. And, of course, <sighs> like I said, we'll talk about our uh, football season preview. Not our season preview, but our depth chart breakdown and stuff next week ahead of camp. Uh, Brett, let's take a break. Then we come back. A lot of news, a lot of notes. Arizona Athletics has been busy. We'll talk about it. We're back, and Brett, the Major League Baseball draft happened eh, maybe a week or two ago, a week and a half ago. I don't know. Time doesn't mean anything anymore. 
But it wasn't <laughs> horrible for Arizona, right? Daniel Susak went in the first round as expected. That's a good thing. He came back to Arizona with Chip Hale and was rewarded for it by being picked by the Oakland A's. And then overall, Arizona wasn't hammered too badly with some of their recruits, which is always a thing that happens when you recruit at a high level. Guys get drafted and you just, oh, geez, hope they sign with Arizona. Hope they come to Arizona. They Most of them don't, but Arizona wasn't totally rated you know, in that way. They lost... You know, infielder Mitrio Casantes, he was picked by the Diamondbacks in the seventh round. Um, but otherwise, it wasn't wasn't too bad for Arizona baseball. Yeah, first, it's awesome to see Daniel Susak go to the A's, and I think he's already signed, so get you know get paid, young man. Um, but yeah, for 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 Chip Hale and and company, you know, it's good to see success in the draft in terms of the guys on your on your roster that are draft eligible getting drafted and yeah. getting paid because that helps with recruiting. But baseball recruiting is so weird, like you, <laughs> you know, with the scholarships where you can only really do partial scholarships, but then like guys can be drafted, follow, and can go back. Um, you know, so it's it Arizona's looking pretty decent in terms of what their roster is coming back. Um, you know, Chase Davis is coming back. I think he was Baseball America, like, top 50 for next year's draft, so he's not long for uh, the Arizona roster, mm-hmm. uh, but that'll be a good thing. Um, you know, I, my hope is that there's going to be a lot of draft picks next year for Arizona, but at least a lot of the commits, uh, you know, we'll see if they if they sign or not. But... Yeah, Drew Summers signed with the Rays. He was one of the commits. You know, there's a few okay. that Arizona yeah. is not going to have, but it's also like, can you really lose something you never had? Like, this is, this is part of the deal. When they recruit these guys, they understand that some like the recruiting players who could get drafted. There's a lot of rounds in the draft, and just because you get drafted doesn't mean you go pro. Right? A lot of them still choose to go to college for a little bit, but that's the reality when you're playing at this level, when you're recruiting at this level. Yeah, at least we didn't have a uh, commit get drafted in the top five and tweet out how it's current Arizona commit like ASU did for uh, they're very proud of a player who will never ever step foot on campus and and never had any intention of setting foot stepping foot on campus (laughs) you know I mean I guess you to you ASU but um no I think all in all it was generally a win for for Arizona well that reminds me of when ASU fans were all about Remy Martin win a national championship with Kansas and they were celebrating as if they had won something because a player had to leave their school to find success like (laughs) You know, but. <laughs> I mean, ASU was non-conference uh, national championships uh, champions in men's basketball when they went undefeated and then proceeded to trip all over themselves in Pac-12 play. True, true. Um, but yeah, so otherwise, not not a bad draft for Arizona. The players that you thought would get drafted did most of them, and they didn't lose their entire recruiting class, which is good and better. You want players who the Major League Baseball teams want to bring in because that means they've got some talent. But, of course, when you're trying to build a roster, and for Chip Hale now with his – this will be like his first full recruiting class that's all his to see what he can make out of it, losing some of the guys they got or they had, right? So, you know, coming off a decent season, we'll see. <laughs> like baseball recruiting, like you said, is pretty, pretty weird. Um, what else, Brett? We got some basketball news. Adama Ball did well in the FIBA Under-20 European Championships. That's a guy where – Man, I, we saw him a little bit at the end of last season. Played. It seemed like he just made every shot he took. You'd shoot a three and make a three. And you see the length. You see the athleticism. You're like, that guy by year three, look out. You know, maybe this is a weird comp. He reminds me, maybe it's just the way his shot form is and just how he's kind of looks kind of relatively bulky and athletic. Um, he reminds me of Lou Dort for ASU. Mm, I don't see that. Well, okay, but hey, that's fine. Have to your comparison, but like I, I, 
I think he's going to be an intriguing guy to watch because you saw the flashes, but he was, you know, what Tommy Lloyd said, he's on a pitch count, quote unquote. Um, there's going to be minutes available. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he's going to start over oh, Pella Larson. He won't. Or, or Ramey. I think Ramey's going to start, uh, you know, the Texas transfer. And I don't, and, and Kyle and Boswell uh, reclassing, even if he's planning to come off the bench, and maybe he's on a pitch count as well. And I think he's coming off of an injury. Um, you know, the roster is, pretty much set i think you know going into next year with kylan boswell uh reclassing um but like it's going to be a little bit of a, a race for one of the starting spots i don't think anybody's passing pillow larson um no adama ball would maybe be one of those guys that could challenge for that but i don't think we have a large enough sample size to know exactly what we have but the the potential there is tantalizing yeah no he strikes me as a guy who this season's coming off the bench maybe getting 15 minutes a game you know, a spark plug type of player comes in if he's hitting his shots and just dominating offensively, then he gets more minutes. But then next season is when he finds his way into the starting lineup and becomes like an NBA caliber talent. Just you see the potential, like you're saying. It's so tantalizing. It's so like that's a guy where we haven't seen this often with Arizona recently, where a player comes in, you're like, I can see that potential. And they stick around for two, three, even four seasons. You're like, yep, they realized it. That was fun. You know, Coloc was one of the closest we've had recently. He stayed for three seasons. And we don't get that too often. We haven't gotten that three seasons out of top-tier talent. So Adama Ball, I mean, as long as he's understanding that this was the path for him, right? He wasn't going to play a lot as a freshman. He'll play a little more as a sophomore. And then as a junior, watch out. Then this is going to be really fun to watch, I think, because he is – you can just see it. Like, this is not a guy who's saying, well, if everything goes right, like the ability is there. He's just got to learn, get bigger, get stronger. And he's going to be able to do that over the course of his time with Arizona. Then that's the type of player who could lead you, be a real impact guy, He'll make an impact this next season, I think, but he'll make a consistent, probably starting lineup caliber impact next season. But yeah, that, you know, and I think people forget that I'm pretty sure he's relatively young for his class, right? So yeah. he's physically just younger than most people in his in his age or his not his age group, his his class group, right? So you know, it, we're gonna see how he how it goes. He's been crushing it in in this FIBA tournament for France. Uh, and kind of picking up where he left off for the limited minutes. But basketball season's not that far away, Adam. Yeah, no, he averaged nearly 10 points over seven games with France, shot almost 44% overall, 38% from three-point land, which is actually, like, down from how he shot from three with Arizona, I think. But, small small you know, sample size. But with his size and his athleticism, and if he has the work ethic, it's clearly he's going to get better and get stronger Then he's going to be someone that Arizona can rely on. Courtney Ramey, you mentioned him. He had a little press conference with the Arizona media. Everything I've seen, people are just impressed that he wants to be a great defensive player, wants to impact the defensive player of the year, which is, yep, that's music to your ears, right? Because Arizona <laughs> last right. season, you know, we saw them against Houston. They couldn't keep Houston out of the lane also. And just having another experienced ball handler there is so huge for this team. Because Kirk Reese, I like him. I think Kreese is going to have a really good junior season and be good next year with, you know, that full offseason. Again, another guy who's going to get to grow and learn and also be healthy, hopefully. But having someone like Courtney Ramey, who has experience, can play off the ball, can play with the ball in his hands, I think is just going to be such a benefit. It's kind of like how Justin Kyer was, but only maybe even more of a point guard type of skill set than Justin Kyer. Kyer was fine. like He did well in that role. But I think Ramey's just a little bit better of a defender and probably just a little bit better of a player. And having him on the roster next to Kirk Risa is only going to be helpful. Yeah, I think... Yeah, you're you're correct when that was music to my ears, Adam, because I am always asking for that last roster spot to be somebody with the dog mentality. Mm-hmm. And that press conference was basically Courtney Ramey saying, I want to be that dog. 
<laughs> yeah. Right. Because that starts on the defensive end, right? Um, and if there's if there's one area where Arizona sometimes struggled was is you know keeping penetration out of the lane. You know the best defensive guys, even when you have Christian Coloco, you know Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, great shot blockers, you're still going to create easy layups when you let guys get past you on the perimeter, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you got to stop those breakdowns. So. I'm very excited to see what he's going to look like uh, in an Arizona uniform. Yeah, yeah. So seems like a good pickup, like you said, Brett, earlier. The Arizona men's basketball roster appears to be set, and it doesn't look too bad. <laughs> like there's obviously some new faces there. Some guys are going to have different roles. You know, Umar Balo is one of them who asked is probably going to be the starting center. Is he Christian Coloco? No, but who can be? <laughs> but you lose Ben Matherin, that hurts. You lose Dalen Terry, that hurts. You lose Coloco, that hurts. But it's not like Arizona, the cupboard is bare. Like they brought in some talent, or Tommy was able to bring in players who have experience, and then there's guys who are going to take a leap, you know, going to take another step in their careers and their development. And Arizona, I don't, I mean, they're going to be picked top 25 preseason for sure. Like, there's no way that doesn't happen, just based on where they finished and what they still have. But they're going to be once again a team that, all right, let's see, let's see how they grow over the course of the season. Of course, we thought that was going to be the case last year, and they got off out of the gates really, really good. So, <laughs> what do I know? Yeah, I, I, I'm actually really curious to see uh, the other transfer, Cedric Henderson. Supposedly, the early returns on him coming from Campbell has been pretty positive. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think Arizona's going to get a ranking. I think they're going to be in the 20 to 25 range, and I think they're going to end up, you know, more in the top 10, 15 kind of range as the season goes along. Because I think there's there's a lot of uncertainty, and you've lost a lot of star power, but there's still a lot there. Um, there's maybe not the superstar that is, like, a Ben Matherin, um, but I think there's maybe even more uh, an even more balanced roster on this on this year's team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Dylan Anderson, a four-star post player, is probably not going to get any minutes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we don't even talk about uh, you know him. Where if he went to a, a lesser school or a lesser program, and there's uh, Vsar. Oh well, I, and he's going to be the guy that I think is it's going to help you know dictate what the 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 Euro guys, him and, and Phil, uh, and, and and big big Phil. Um, <laughs> We're just gonna call everyone big. <laughs> <laughs> well, like those guys are the the biggest uh, unknowns, right? Yeah. Um, and all the signals from the coaching staff and that in terms of things you're hearing is like, yeah, we think these guys are like NBA types, and if they are, you know. And if also, they all accept their roles this season, and yeah. Tommy Lloyd seems to have a way of making sure players do, then yeah. Well, and if and if if both Visar, 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 and, and Phil are, you know, if they're both the outside shooting threats that we think they are, Courtney Ramey's a, a deadly outside mm-hmm. shooter. Um, you know, things start to get interesting, especially if you can, you know, get some penetration, or you know, a guy like Azulis Tabellis can, you know, draw defenders in as a, he's more of a face-up four. It'd be nice to see some more, ba- you know, back to the basket development of either uh, Azulis or. Umar Balo, kind of like Christian Coloco did over the course of the last couple of years. But you're going to spread the, the court with a lot of shooters, and it's hard to defend. You mentioned Azulis Tubelis there, and it kind of made me think, I'm like, I haven't even thought about Tubelis as part of like, <laughs> And, like, he's good. <laughs> like, yeah, he didn't do great in the tournament. He had that ankle, high ankle sprain last season that he kind of played through, and we don't know how much that was bothering him. And who knows, like, worldly events, too, probably kind of weren't helping. But he was obviously bad against TCU and even worse against Houston. But this is a guy who is one of their leading scores, one of the best players on the team going into his junior year now. Like, 
like it's almost like we're under I think we're going to underrate him because he's been so good for the last couple seasons but obviously had a bad tournament but that's a guy who's arguably their best player and, and we don't even really think about him when we're talking about what makes this team so intriguing going into next season like you know what you're getting with Azulus Tabas his floor is so high and we don't I don't even know if he's reached his ceiling just yet yeah I think um for Arizona's team next year to reach its full potential, they need Azulis Tabellis to be the best player on the team next year, right? Like, I mean, I guess they, best they, is they a relative to, term too, though. Well, like they, he could average, you know, twelve points and seven rebounds a game and not be their leading scorer, but be, I, yeah, but he needs to be good. I, he needs I to be good. They need, I think they need him to be a star. He's experienced enough. He's talented enough. He needs to not disappear. He needs to get better on defense. Uh, he should be somebody. Uh, as a you know third-year player, should beat up on a lot of you know freshmen on some of these other rosters in the in modern college basketball, right? Yeah. They need him to dominate them. And there's no reason to think he can't or won't. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like yeah. we're not like, we're not. A, it's always like the new shiny object, right? Like the the transfers, the freshmen. Like ooh, what can these guys bring? Or Adama Ball, what can he bring to the team? Because he really didn't do as much last season. But we're seeing that. Whereas Azus Tabellus is kind of that known quantity, and he's known to be a good. <laughs> and he doesn't mean he can't get better. And yeah, I like I'm excited for football. I am, but basketball. I mean, it's Arizona, right? Men's basketball and women's basketball too is going to be really good <laughs> with Adia Barnes has been bringing in. But just we're talking about men's basketball, and it's like, yeah, we don't even we don't even think about Tubelis. I don't. I don't think a lot of people are. And maybe that's a good thing for him. Maybe he can kind of just be quietly dominant. You know, like, I mean, I, a lot of people don't think about Tubelis of the top Belis variety and rightly rightfully so. Oh, that's was... mean. That's not necessary. Well, he's, he's not playing. Let's be real. Yeah, no one said he was, um, but like Azulis Tabellis is very realistically a preseason pack 12 first team, you know, forward, right? Yeah. <laughs> like who, in, who, what power forward in the conference should be better than him next year? I'd have to look around the roster. Like, I mean, I, I don't know, but I, mean, I know he's you're, good. You're probably you're probably projecting. You know, I know Oregon has a really good recruiting class. I haven't looked at their roster recently, but like, you're probably projecting some freshman that's highly rated to be better than him, and is a highly rated freshman better than a third year proven player with some development? It probably should be the third year player, right? Hopefully, hopefully. Other quick note for basketball, Brett. I don't think we touched on this the last show because I don't think it happened yet. Arizona and Duke. A nice home and home that's coming up in 2023 and then 2024. Cool. <laughs> like, that's like, I guess it never happened because Coach K never wanted to come out west, which, you know, coward. But, hey, like Arizona and Duke, they've had some big games, obviously, in tournaments all over the place. Arizona's won the last couple, if I remember right. Some really fun uh, performances. But that that's not bad. Like I've, That's kind of exciting. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty hyped. Uh, should we start uh saving like a hundred dollars a month now to have enough money to buy tickets for those games adam both of them i mean why not that would be kind of cool to go to cameron indoor stadium to watch arizona play <laughs> that's, what that's what i'm saying but uh, that ticket's gonna be real expensive that place is tiny yeah and then of course the game one in tucson is gonna be a hot ticket as well you know when sure. the defending national cha- you know two-time national champion arizona wildcats are hosting duke like uh, people are gonna want to go to that game I think everything you just said is true. <laughs> I see no lies in that. <laughs> oh, anything else, Brett? What do we got here? What's what else? We I mean, football, of course. We mentioned a lot of players on the 
all Pac-12 conference four players made the Pac-12 preseason football conference team. You know, not surprising um, to have, to see the specialists. You know, Kyle Ostendorp is going is there. Uh, Keon Bars is there. Uh, Jacob Cowing, people are very excited about. So you know, that's cool. Not mad about that. Um, what else do we have here? I mean, Jacob Cowing, the Bolitnikov list would be like the best receiver. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think one other thing that we we heard about today, Adam, was uh, you know, for you, Wildcat Radio 2.0 listener, wanted to support Arizona athletics and getting the right talent in, but don't have an NIL plan. Do I have a solution for you, or should I say, Dave Hickey does with the 5980 fund? <laughs> so uh, Dave Hickey announced uh, that you know, as we talked about in baseball, uh, there's not not all. All, not all sports get uh, full scholarships for every player. Uh, so there's a $5,980 uh, per year supplemental academic support that can be funded by you as an Arizona Wildcat fan. So, you know, it's a way to help get a little bit of a competitive edge, especially in some of the sports that are not necessarily basketball and football, but things like baseball, softball, uh, et cetera, and the like, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing. I don't know if any school has announced something like this that I'm at least that I'm aware of. Have you heard about it, Adam? I have not, but I really enjoyed your live read of this one. Like you were crushing it. I mean, I I'd like to say I was reading this and this is all off the top of my head, man. I'm getting pretty good at this thing. Yeah, no, that was that was great. Like if I had money I would donate just based on that alone. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have a child soon, Adam. Yeah, you, I have no you'll money. No, you'll no longer have money. <laughs> no, but it's it, it like it, it's I I believe it's through the uh the the wildcat club and the friends of Wil- like wilbur or I, i'm yeah, not even 100 yeah. sure of how it is but it's actually a really smart way for you know some of those second tier sports not to insult those sports but, no well, not you know. every nil is going to be huge money like we see the ones in the headlines when someone gets you know millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars and that's not most of these players like i see even locally i mean asu does terrible at nil there's places like Burrito Express who makes really good food. They're sponsoring guys. They're not getting huge yeah. deals. Best deal in town is an electronics store. Dale and Terry got an NIL, NIL deal with them last season. Like, you know, these aren't most of these players are not getting huge money. Some are. And I don't know what Arizona's players, like what T Mac's getting or what Cowing's getting, you know, some of the football yeah. players. And I don't know what some of the basketball guys I mean, like again, Dale and Terry ended up being a first round draft pick. He had a deal, I think, with EGs, and then he had a deal with best deal in town. Like I actually I got to look at the contract of the best deal in town because I'm friends with the, one of the guys over there. It was fine, but it's not like he's making hundreds of thousands of dollars from that. Most yeah. of these NIL deals are not what you read in the headlines. So the 5980 fund just say, hey, we'll give these, you know, make sure our, these players are taken care of in a small way. Like they're not going to school. They're not going to, you know, to school to play ba- or to Arizona to play baseball and make huge money on NIL. But if you can get a little something with it, then yeah, that's good. You know, same thing with softball and these other sports. So, I think it's a good idea because anything that can help these student athletes is, you know, I'm, I'm for it. <laughs> like, I yeah, really am. As a, as a frame of reference, like most baseball scholarship athletes have like a half tuition. Like partial scholarship. scholarships. Yeah. Like very few get above half. So like if you're getting an extra $6,000 on an out of state tuition, you know, that's a, that's basically like almost, I, I don't know what the out of state tuition is anymore, but it's, or even for the in-state guys where it's a lower tuition amount, mm-hmm. you know, you're turning a half scholarship into, you know, maybe a 70% scholarship with this as an, as an academic supplemental. Uh, and you don't require a business that has to do an NIL here. It's, it's funded entirely by Arizona supporters and there's, you know, 
fund that enough and every player that doesn't have this can get six thousand dollars extra and that's only going to help the, those players but also help their those programs get the best talent and retain the best talent yeah. uh, in a way that every one of us can contribute to and what it, what it seems to me is like who knows how much of an impact this will make but it's arizona once again if they're not at the forefront of nil they're certainly riding the wave you know they're not caught behind they're not i mean like we see what happens with asu and now every asu fan thinks nil is the worst thing that ever happened to college because their school is terrible at it because they want nothing to do with it like nil is hurting them because they didn't get ahead of it they did not you know get on board with nil arizona is and like these things can't hurt Right, like we don't know how much it'll help, but it can't hurt. And seeing Arizona say, you know what, this is how college athletics is right now. This is what it's going to be. We want to make sure we're part of this. You know, we want to make sure that we're helping. Because again, it's helping the student athletes. Them <laughs> getting paid is not a bad thing. And of course, by that, the byproduct is it'll help the school and the programs get better players. You'd think. So it's a yeah. win-win for everybody. And then also from the fans, like yeah, people say, you know, buy tickets. That's how you support. That's you know. To be able to say we're sponsoring players too, sponsoring these athletes, that's you know, that's cool. Like it feels like maybe have a little bit more into it. You know, like there's that tangible, okay, like my money's helping that player. I'm not helping the athletic department, I'm helping like these players get a little bit of a kickback for their efforts. Like, yeah, I could see how that's a really nice thing. And it's just another just check mark for hey, Arizona's doing this the right way. Yeah, I'm I'm actually shocked I haven't heard anybody else doing this because it's really a really smart idea in my mind. Yeah, yeah. So but that's probably, we can end on that happy note, right, Brett? I think so. So, yeah, like once again, next week we'll do our uh, our uh, fall camp preview. We'll get into the depth charts and everything because Arizona camp starts next week. Wow, football camp is already, it's here. Like the season opener is like less than, like a little more than a month away, right? Can see yeah, I think it's season, like five like weeks. September 1st or something like that, or third, one of those days, like early yeah, September. I, yeah, it's, I believe, September 3rd. Yeah, so I was right. Mazel tov. Yeah, I did it on the second try. <laughs> but so like we're going to get into that next week. Of course, we'll talk Arizona football heading into fall camp because we're both very excited about that. There's also Arizona basketball recruiting news that could happen next week. Maybe um, there's a certain high profile commit who is a recruit rather who is set to make his decision. And people are pretty high on Arizona's chances. So that's, you know, that'd be good. You know, but. yeah, August August second might be a day to pay attention to KJ Evans' uh, announcement. So, if you're an Arizona fan, whatever happens with that, we'll talk about it. And of course, it's Arizona athletics, so whatever goes on, we'll make sure we talk about Wildcat Radio 2.0. In the meantime, make sure you are following us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Stuff comes from that account. If you have any questions for us or whatever, want to ask us, even if we don't send out a mailbag, feel free to tweet it. Like tweet to us, and we'll get to it. Maybe, probably, hopefully, you know, on the show. Um, you find us, of course, on iTunes and Spotify. If you find us on iTunes, well, subscribe to us on both. But if you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. If you do leave a review, we will read that review on the air, whatever it says. So, yeah, get on that, everyone. But otherwise, we'll catch you all next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.